0: your help. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans today, chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul, written to the church at Rome. And I want us to go there for just a moment, please, today. And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God in respect to God's Word, if possible. If you can't stand, by all means, we understand. Pray for John Jones. John's going to have surgery also on his knee. So pray for him in special prayer, I think, this week sometime. Everybody there, chapter 12? Amen. Amen. This is the most powerful, pungent, declarative sentences written by mortal man under inspiration of God. And one that I've read over and over again myself, and I need to read it over and over every day, really. Especially as the years go by. The Apostle Paul says to the church, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say... Through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man made the measure of faith. And then took your Bibles back to first Samuel in the Old Testament and find chapter one chapter one of first Samuel. And we'll have prayer and we'll read it in just a few moments after we sit down. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, Father, bless the Word of God today. If we did nothing else except read the Bible, we've done something marvelous, something great. We're hearing from the Creator of the world. We're hearing from the Supreme Being. There's only one. The Great Jehovah God. We're talking to the One who condescended down and became man that we could have salvation. Father, thank you for Thy truth that's forever settled in our hearts, and may You help me today to say what needs to be said and leave unsaid that which does not need to be said. And we'll thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated, please. I was telling Brother Cox, who teaches class back in the back. He's teaching on the book of Romans. Uh, Brother Brandon's teaching out the book of Hosea. Uh, sometimes our teachers get other books of the Bible. Miss Debbie, were you, are you still in Esther? Yeah. Okay, we done got past Esther. We know all we need to know about Esther. Uh, but thank the Lord for her teaching that class. But anyhow, Sunday school class, find your place and plug in. Thank God he ministered to you hard and you great. I've been going to Sunday school. I, I never remember a time I'd not been in Sunday school. I'm 77 years old. My mama carried us there when we was little and tended to us and didn't have nurseries back in those days. We had what we called Baptist pallets. They lay a quilt on the floor and they would uh, let you sleep right there and take your bottle, etc. Sometimes they had to take you out necessarily. My mama was a shouting woman. Don't ever be sleeping on the Baptist pallet when a mama's shouting above you. She's going, I'm going to stomp you to death. But uh, I'm grateful for that background, and I'm grateful for Sunday school and praise the Lord for it. But he's teaching now the book of Romans, and I said, one thing about it, dear, we won't exhaust the great theology and the great book of Romans. There's no way we'll ever grasp all the great truth that's there, but it is a wonderful book. and I want to talk to you today about Paul's three calls. I'm not going to get to all three of them. I probably will not get through one of them. But I want to talk about Paul's three calls. I'll give them to you in order and sequence as they're found in the Holy Word of God from this passage of what the Apostle Paul did. But first I want to read in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Because the Bible is important to every individual life, to the young and the old. What you have in the passage before you is the young and the old. You have Eli, the high priest, coming down to die. His eyes, his vision getting dim. He can't see. He's taking care of a little boy named Samuel at the request of her mother because she promised God that she would lend him unto the Lord the rest of his life. After he was weaned, she brought him down there to the city of God, to Eli, and he's now residing with Eli. His name is Samuel. Chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of Remathim Sophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, the son of Laju, the son of Toju, the son of Zeph, and Ephrodite. Just in case you're looking for some names to name your babies. <laughs> and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Perniah, and Perniah had children. But Hannah had no children. Verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Chapter 2. Verse 2. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our rock. Verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed, that thy house and thy house of thy father should walk before me, and ever but now the Lord saith, Be it far from me for them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me, lightly esteem. Behold, the days come that I will cut them off, cut off thine arm, and the arm of thy father's house, and there shall not be an old man in thine house. I simply read those verses to introduce us to the fact that Samuel was a young boy. I'm not sure how old he was. Go to chapter 3. And this child, Samuel, ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And there was no open vision. Of God is not revealing himself except through the man of God. And his eyes were growing dim. The Bible says and it came to pass at that time that Eli was laid down in his place. And his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. Not only physically but spiritually because... Of some of the things he had done and allowed to be done in his reign. And there's the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. That's tragedy. They're always supposed to be shining. Where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, and the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. Long story short, God called him. Samuel didn't realize it. As a matter of fact, he'd run in to see Eli. And he'd say, Master, did you call for me? And he said, no, I did not call. he go back to bed. He did that three times. Samuel heard a voice. He called his name. He got up and goes to Eli. And finally, Eli had enough of perception to say, the Lord's trying to talk to you, Samuel. Say, here am I to him. And when God called Samuel, and Samuel said, here am I, God spoke to a little boy. I'm glad God can speak to whosoever wills. I'm glad He can speak to the old men in this room today. I'm glad God can speak to young ladies and old ladies. Maybe I better change that. Elderly ladies. He can speak to the young men, young ladies. How young can He speak? He can speak in the mother's womb. He did John the Baptist. He told John the Baptist to shout in the mother's womb, and John shouted before he, before he come forward in this world before life was outside the womb on several occasions things happening I'm grateful to God he can speak but he can speak to where they can receive as they get older some receive the Lord Jesus when they're five or six years old I mentioned that last week I'm grateful that God saved me when I was a boy I was nine years of age when I gave my life to Jesus Christ I've said it so many times I I like to testify. I didn't know any big words. I was raised in a preacher's home. My daddy was a preacher until the day he died and I'm grateful for that influence in my life and I said a while ago we went to church all the time but I couldn't get to heaven because my daddy was a preacher and my mama was a shouting woman. Both of them knew the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I had to get to heaven by the grace of God and I'm glad even though I didn't know what the word justification meant. I didn't know what the word sanctification meant Didn't know what the word atonement meant. Didn't know what the word propitiation meant. I didn't know any of them big words in the Bible. But I knew God loved me. And because of God's love, it drew the cords of my soul. And God spoke to me. And I'm grateful for hearing the call of God. So Eli had heard the call of God already. He now was waxing old. He was permitting some sin in his family he ought not to permit, especially among his boys and things they were doing. And he was growing old, oh, when the kingdom was going to be, or the reign was going to be taken away from Eli, the high priest. And he was going to have to suffer for it. As a matter of fact, he'd fall off a bench and break his neck in death. That'd be the time when the little baby's born called Ichabod. The glory of God has departed from this place. But Samuel was a young boy, and he heard the voice of God. For the first time, he understood God's talking to me. Now, listen very carefully, it's very important. God speaks through his holy word. As he spoke to Samuel, he didn't have a Bible. He spoke to him out of the very atmosphere that they were in, in that room. And God spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel. And Samuel, probably a little nervous, said, thy servant heareth. And God began a communication with Samuel that would carry on for many years. He'd become the great prophet of the Old Testament. One of them, the great man of God who anointed David on several occasions, who was used mightily in the corresponding the truth from God to people. But he said, here am I. What we need is a group of young people that will grow up and serve God. They don't need to get so wrapped up in this world that they forget there's something beyond this world. They need to realize there is a God in heaven that loves them. Little children need to know it. I'm grateful for the workers on Wednesday night Survivors Kids Club, who work with kids. I'm grateful for those who work with them in children's church uh, every week of our life. And that's a good place for some of you to plug in from time to time. To just work with children or any other youth program, Uh, teenagers, young people, they need to hear the truth. Because the same truth that saved an old man can save a young man. It is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the father but by me. And every individual needs to come to Jesus Christ. And young people need to hear the gospel. They need to come to church and hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. Amen. They need to hear the gospel. Amen. And that's the reason why it's important to train them early and have them in the house of God. And to be able to let them hear, let them see the things of God spiritually, that can make an impression upon their mind for time and eternity. Now, you said you are going to talk about the three calls of Paul. I'm getting there. Just give me time. I'm an old man. I'm slow, okay? I'll get there in a minute. But Samuel now is answering the call, and the doctrine given in this book, in Romans the first eleven chapters, is all doctrine. It tells us theology, talks about the doctrine of God, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of sin. It goes through all the details, and probably one of the greatest men probably that's ever lived was the Apostle Paul. He speaks several languages in his own right, and called of God saved on the road to Damascus, and God delivered him from the bondage of Judaism to where he no longer was trying to win his way to Christ or win his way to God. He was there believing on the Lord Jesus Christ himself and testifying that God struck him down and God spoke to his heart. A religious man, an educated man, a Jew of all Jews, a Pharisee of the first magnitude, a great man intellectually went to the school of Camellia. Some said he spoke three languages. I heard this week that he spoke seven from a preacher. I'm not sure where he got that information from. But he spoke three languages. I'm talking about an, intellect, an intellectual guy. But he had to come like a little child and realize I don't get saved by my intellect or who I am, my claims on life, my position in life. I get saved the same way everybody else does, by the grace of Almighty God. So God spoke to Samuel. God spoke to Eli in days gone by. God has spoken down through the annals of time uh, to men and women and boys and girls. And sometimes a little girl, a little boy, uh, can move a whole congregation of people. Do you know some of the greatest revivals have come because of little children. Little children sometimes are more simple, they're more sincere than we adults. We adults build up this sort of a caste system, sort of a, a fakery, if we're not careful. Little kids are sincere. if you don't believe, what you ask them. and uh, they'll tell you what they think. I was in revival years ago go down at Newburn and, and excuse me what I'm about to say, but I'm just repeating what she said. And we were sitting at the table having nightly devotions with the preacher and his wife. And so we got through. He said, now I want you to, all of you to pray. And the little girl, she was about five, six years old. So she was going to take her turn praying. So she came around and she said, Dear God, help me not to wet my pants tonight in church. I mean, in, in bed. Help me not to wet my pants. Well, I, I laughed. I thought it was a funny prayer, but it was sincere from a child. So she got tired of having that problem. Don't you think it's all right for a little child to talk to God about that? Yes. And it's all right for us to talk to God about all anything and everything, the simple things of life. But children sometimes are more simple to receive truth. And sometimes they get serious about it. And just pray to God to raise up an army of young people. Churches across America and around the world, especially America, are in a transitional mood and we're adapting to the culture more and more as we go along, and that's said. The culture needs to not be the criteria. You plumb line ought to be the Word of God. It's not what the world says, not what the world thinks. It's not what society says. It's what thus saith the Word of God. And the more we get a hold of that, the better off we are. Every once in a while, Dr. Vance Havner used to preach on, I want to remind you what I believe is the old-time religion. And I think from time to time, we need to be reminded of where we come from, who we are, and where we're going, so we're on the same page for the future because the future is changing in most of the religiosity of our world, especially America. That's not my sermon today, but do, doctrine is important. What you believe, teaching, is important to know doctrine. But then it comes down to duty. So what's the duty of man? Well, he says in chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Point number one or verse, verse, verse of this chapter. So what's Paul's call? What is it? You don't have to fully understand it. I don't fully understand all that transpired with the relationship with God with Paul and Paul getting the word of God under inspiration. But first of all, he had a call to attention. Write it down in your mind. Write it down on paper. I want you to get it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, listen up. I beseech you, therefore, I want you to notice it's personal. Number one, look at, the, look at the phrase. Look at the passage. Look at the entire section I read earlier. I beseech you. Listen up. You. Boy, that's the way the tension gets you, man. Talking to you. Be in class sometime and you'll be misbehaving. And she says, James, listen up. Talking, talking to me, talking to me. She said, I'm talking to you. Sometimes the Holy Ghost of God is saying, "I'm talking to you." You can sit in the church service, and sometimes the by, bypass the voice of God. Sometimes God's trying to speak to us, and we're not listening. We're fiddling. We're, we can't wait till we get out. What we're going to have for lunch? Our mind is settled on something else. But thus saith the Word of God, and God speaks through, through preaching and teaching, and reading and learning the blessed Word of God. And He says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, go back again." To verse uh, 2 in, in the passage. Now let's go back to verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, but I beseech you, 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 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, as personal, your body, not somebody else's, your body. This body belongs to the Lord, it's the temple of the Lord. The Holy Ghost of God, God lives on the inside of this body, and this body is not my own. The Bible says I've been bought with a price, and that price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not my own. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and so are you. So God wants your attention. He wanted Eli's attention. He wanted Samuel's attention. He said, i got something to say that's going to affect the whole nation of Israel. And Samuel, you're going to be the man. You may not understand what I'm trying to say to you, but you're going to speak as my prophet. You're going to speak as my man. And there's that illustration of a young man who's receiving the call of God upon his life, not fully understanding what the future meant. He was simply being obedient step by step as a young man. And Paul says, I want you, therefore, brethren, I want your body, God saying, "Holy, acceptable to God, which is your, there it is again, reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye, there it is again, personal, transformed by the renewing of your, there it is again, your mind, and that she may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's what I'm saying. I want your attention. I want you to listen to me. God's still calling the men of God in the ministry. They're not answering. He's still calling young people to serve Him in capacities that's beyond proper their comprehension, whether it's to sing or to preach or to teach, or to go to be mission field. God's still calling. But young people so wrapped up in the world love not the world, need things of the world, that the the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. They're so wrapped up in this world, they can't hear the voice of God. There's a lot of things drowning out the voice of God. It could be the screaming that goes on in their own life, things that scream at them. I have an illustration and talked about some things that folks have problems with, like the screaming of the party life. They hear the joy and the festivity of having a wild party or having something fun, fun, fun. I'm not opposed to I like to have fun. I like to laugh. A merry heart doth good like a medicine. It's good medicine for you to laugh. There's nothing wrong with having fun. I love to have Christian fun. And we try to have some around here from time to time. I'm not a fuddy-duddy. I, I hope I don't ever become a fuddy-duddy. I don't know what, I don't know what a fuddy-duddy is. There's got to be a definition. That's somewhere along the way. But in fact, you can enjoy life. But sometimes young people need to get beyond the fun time, need to get beyond the entertainment time, and get down to the explicit doing of the will of God in their life. You have one life to live to assume, be passed, and the only thing that's going to count... Are those things done for God? You say, well, preacher, that's good for kids. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for the oldest man in this room. His hair may be sealed over. The wrinkles may be on his brow. He may have a hump on his back. He may have a step that's slow. But God still wants to use whosoever will. And he said, I want your attention. And Paul says, I'm calling to your attention. The folks in Rome, God's speaking to you. And he says, I'm trying to get your attention. You're a personal person. Don't worry about everybody else. Sometimes we used to make make statements that don't push it over your shoulder, to the guy behind you. Preacher's preaching on something. So yeah, he's really hitting John today. He's really hitting her today. Or oh, he's preaching on gossiping. She's the biggest gossip in our church, and you're the biggest liar probably in your church. You're trying to justify your own sin. Give it to him. Throw it over the shoulder to him. It's called pitchfork religion. We don't need pitchfork religion. We need an application to say, here am I, here am I. That's what Samuel said. Here am I, here am I. Oh, God, here am I sensitive to the voice of God and we need to be sensitive to the voice of God in our life and make up our decision to say Lord wherever you lead me I'll go, whatever you want me to do I'll do and by the grace of God I'll live for you until my hair is silvered over, until the wrinkles come to my brow until my knees are slow until I can't walk very much I'll serve you all the days of my life because my body belongs to you and I give it to you I got, you got my attention you got my attention, Lord you got my t- attention don't let god bring things to pass in your life that's going to be a hurt to your life physically or emotionally when you can have the joy of the lord and the, in the midst of all your troubles and trials, in the midst of problems and heartaches you can have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and i'm glad god has a call to attention do you see it look at your bible Do you have a bible look at it are you listening personal god speaking to you is he has he ever spoke to you in church? Somebody says, preacher, he never speaks to me in church, so you ain't listening. I'm trying to get your attention to listen. Amen. You say, well, I don't like what you're saying. Well, I'm just trying to get your attention to listen. You may learn something. I heard no preacher one time. I'm not saying about myself. He said, i got more common sense in the end of that finger than you got. got your old head. Now, I'm not saying that today, but I am saying this. You ought to listen to the man of God when he preaches. Amen. Listen to the teachers of God. they got... They're not perfect, but they got a message from the Lord. And that message from the Lord is supposed to resonate in your life. And every individual is responsible for what's said from this pulpit, including this preacher. I'll stand before God and give an account for my ministry and for what God's called me to do and the messages that are preached. But He's also going to give you day at the judgment seat of Christ where you give an account for your life as a Christian of what you did with what He gave you. Don't worry about everybody else. So sometimes the screaming... Noises they hear, sometimes the political confusion that's out there. Uh, So many, sometimes I watched a little bit of a football game the other night, or I don't know, basketball game. I don't know, maybe it was a hockey game. I don't know what it was. Some kind of game. But I think it was a, no, the last two minutes of the Super Bowl. That's what I saw, last two minutes of the Super Bowl. See, we went to church and then we went home. You can still watch the Super Bowl, and you need to miss the halftime in here. You don't need to watch halftime. Amen. Don't watch halftime. Put puts blunders on your face. It's almost embarrassing sometimes to call it America. All the stuff they do at halftime in front of little kids is an abomination in the eyes of Almighty God. Yes. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. They ought to have a spanking, that's what they ought to have. They ought to go back and have Mom and Dad spank them one more time for what they perpetrated pur- 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 across their television, across the computers that they call it entertainment kids, being in, it's, kids are being indoctrinated by watching filth and dirt and that's acceptable you talk about righteousness no no don't do that because that takes our freedom away we want to be free, we want to have fun, we want to have excitement all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, God didn't call us to have excitement all the time. He didn't call us just to have fun, fun, fun. He called us to do the will of God and to suffer for Christ and to bear our cross and say, take up your cross and follow me. The work is out there. The job is necessity. And God's still calling. He's calling you. He's calling me and saying, "You ought to say, here am I. Take me. Use me. Please, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble that I'll obey you all the days of my life. Amen. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Just surrender to God? We'll get to it later. You say, I don't understand it. I don't either. You say, preacher, what am I going to do? Let God lead you. I have, listen, I'm standing here at 77 years of age. I had no clue when I was 11 years old that I'd be a pastor of the church. If you'd ask me what I wanted to be, I'd probably say a preacher when I was a kid. But when I got called to preach, I was scared to death. That's the father's thing from my mind. I even, I even argue with God. I told him I'd sing with a group, yeah, I'd sing in the choir. And they didn't want me there either, it didn't seem like. But God called me to preach when I was 16 years of age. I remember vividly wrestling with God about preaching. I won't go into the long story. I remember at 18, when everything in my world was falling apart, as an 18-year-old graduate from high school, college-bound. I wanted to go to college. No way to go. Financially, it just didn't look feasible. But at the age of 18, in Louisiana, Kentucky, and I've told this story so many times, I went to the altar in a revival meeting, and dedicated my life to God. From that moment, my life changed. It changed. God got my attention. In this matter of six months, I was preaching earlier than that. And just about a year, I was in Bible college, studying for the ministry. thought about this week. I no clue how in the world I got there and how in the world I paid for it. I stayed four years at a Bible college. got a BA degree. I tell you, I got a BA degree, so you know I'm smart. I got an MA degree, so you know I'm really in the like intellectual. It don't mean a thing except I went to school. I'm glad I got by the grace of God. But I went to college and made preparation to be a preacher. Then I didn't know how in the world, what's that going to mean? Where am I going to end up at? Lord, are you going to take me to Africa? Take me to South America? Where am I going to be? And then I got nervous about a little thing. In college, I dedicated my life and dedicated my life. I said, Lord, here am I. And step by step, he took me from point A as a nine-year-old boy to point B as a 16-year-old boy getting called to preach to point C when I said yes to God in Louisiana, Kentucky and then point D answering the call to preach and began to preach going off to Bible college when I went to college because my daddy told me to he said you ought to go get an education in change changing world so I did, I did the best I could how'd you pay for it? there is a God we were poor I just stayed four years at Bible college. I worked at night. I went to school today. I took a heavy load. I took a heavy load in working to get the job done. But I made it and had played football besides that. I had a good time in college, Bible college, Christian college. But I answered a call to preach. And then I went to, I'm trying to belabor the story, but I was at college in this church in Alabama. They called up to the school and said, if you got a man to come down on the weekend and preach for us. And they said, we've got two men that we would recommend. One is James Pauley and the other is Bob Cooper. They came and told me, said, they want you to come down and preach for them. And so when we got down there, I said, what would you call me? We've heard of Bob Cooper. We've never heard of a Pauley before. It's a different name for us. So we went down past this little church, had 20 people in a block building, God let us pastor for three years. The joys of my life was pastoring that church and preparing me for this church when God called me here back in 1971. And I'm grateful for the years and the blessings of the Lord. I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Nothing. I'm grateful for God's blessings in my life. And I'm grateful to still be in the ministry. And it may change again in the days ahead. It's going to change. Either I'm going to die... Or are we get incapacitated one of these days if Jesus' tears is coming. But I'm grateful for the years that God's given me. I'm grateful for the privilege of being a part of the family of God. Aren't you? Aren't you glad to be in the part of the family of God? Yes. I mean, God wants to use all of us. My story may be a little different than yours, but I mean, your story may be a little different than mine. Please get your attention, my attention. He has a way of speaking to us, and God wants to use you. So that Paul's call to attention. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, personal. It's positional. I'm a brethren. He says, brethren, that means I'm in the family. It means I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a call for the redeemed people of God to stand up and be counted and say, here I am. I'm listening. I'm listening to the voice of God. You may not know all the future, but you know you take the next step. Just learn to be faithful. As you're faithful to God, God will open unto you a door. And that door will be given to you. Some of you will be pinch yourself that I'm doing something for God. Yeah. I, I get a sing publicly for God, somebody says. They never thought that a few years ago. But God uses people who make themselves available and the greatest ability in the world is availability and then dependability and responsibility and one day there will be accountability when you stand before the Lord and I stand before the Lord and give an account for my life. I can say, Lord, I tried. I failed you so many times but I tried to do the best I could. I labored and toiled. Lord, I'm not bragging on me, bragging on you but thank you for letting me be a part of the great work of God and stand before a holy God in his presence we'll probably fall on our knees and cry holy 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 Here's the Lord God Almighty as Isaiah cried when he saw the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah chapter 6 and someday we'll see him face to face and the nail scars in his hands the only thing put by man in heaven are the nail scars in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and he did it for me and he did it for you And I'm among the redeemed. I've been saved by the grace of Almighty God, sanctified, set apart for God's use until the day I die. And so are you. Are you listening? You say, Preacher, I've let him down. Get back up again. Righteous man falls seven times. Get back up again. You say, I've let God down. I've failed him. I know I should be more faithful, more active. I should be doing more of this, or at least ought to be doing something for God. As you get older, you slow down. Your pace slows down sometimes. You can't. I, I got the same zip, don't, same zeal. Don't have the same zip, and it's just difficult. Difficult it was years ago. But I can still say something. I can still speak a word for the Lord. I can still say something that would magnify hope of the Lord. You can too. Give of the, give of the zeal, give of the give of the best of your of your youth. Give your life to God. Personal, positional, brethren. If you're not a Christian, you can't understand what I'm saying. You have no clue. God cannot use you until you turn loose of sin and self and give yourself to Him in salvation. Then He begins to use you. Apostle Paul, killer of Christians, chief of sinners, life changed mightily. Look at the word powerful. A powerful word and I want to labor this and I'll be through he says I beseech you got your attention you brethren therefore brethren you're saved you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb present your got your attention your bodies a living sacrifice holy except one to God which is your reasonable service go back to the word beach, beach. I beseech circle it Put a mark beside it. I beseech. Don't get beyond what I'm going to say. But she said, listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. It is a call of God. One of the strongest words that could be used by God is beg. Beseech means to beg. Beseech means to plead. I want you to imagine, and I'm through with this sermon the altar this morning. God's not looking for a dead sacrifice. He's looking for a living sacrifice. And he says, I beseech you. Master, if he came down tonight, today from heaven, and kneel beside you and look you square in the eye because of you, I've got your attention. The Lord said, I'm talking to you want you to climb on the altar today as a living sacrifice. And I'm pleading for you. I'm begging you. I ought not to have to beg. I want to say, here am I, send me. But I'm begging you. Can you imagine the God of heaven begging us to do anything? They tell me the word, the Greek word is very emphatic and very deep and profound. I beseech you Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the 11 chapters we just passed of the doctrine of God, of Jesus' death on the cross, and how folks can be saved. He says, I beseech you. I plead with you. Time is short. Time is of essence. Urgency of the hour. Jesus, I'm coming back to get the bride and take him home to heaven. I want, to, I want God's will to be done on this world. Not my will, but His will be done when I pray in the garden of Gethsemane. And I want you to be a part of that. Would you join with me and say, here am I. I dedicate myself to you today, Lord. I get on the altar. I don't know what that means. Except get on the altar. I don't know where it's going to take you to get on the altar and say, Lord, here am I and become a living sacrifice for God. That's a tremendous honor. Kids sing a song sometime. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never ride in the infantry or shoot artillery, but I'm in the Lord's army. And God called every one of us to be in the Lord's army. What are you doing for God? What am I doing for God? What am I going to do for God? Paul I had three calls in this passage. I'll give the other two tonight, the Lord willing, or at least I'll try. A call to attention. Soldier, attention. I want you to volunteer to be a part of the great program of Almighty God. I want you to be in the army of the Lord. I want you to be willing to serve me. Are you listening now? I got your attention. Are you willing to die for me? You say, Lord, do I have to die? Die to self. One day you may die to your own body physically when the great persecution comes to America more and more. You say I'm not willing to die for Christ then live your life like you want to and see what happens give your life to Jesus see what he does I'm not talking about a miserable life and I do close with this statement the martyrs when they died early days of the century when Christian churches were started and people began to be crucified and killed like Peter upside down and other Christian men all the apostles except John were crucified or killed murdered, drugged in the streets, killed in terrible ways but they said when the martyrs died when the enemy looked at them and they were set set in fire and burning at the the stake they said they die well and say what's even better, they die happy. I'm in the Lord's army, or you let's serve God until the battle's over. And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown in the new Jerusalem. Let's stand together, please. Father, help those who need to come today. For salvation first. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they shall be saved. Then help those, Lord, that are Christians just to dedicate themselves. Sometimes it's just good to make an altar. Kneel on the altar and remind ourselves. Maybe we've done it before. Just remind ourselves, Lord, I'm available. I make myself available. Speak, O Holy Spirit. I leave the results up to you. Maybe that Christian just needs to get some things squared away with you out of their life. These are important days, glad days, wonderful days. We give you ourselves today afresh. Bless the